Hi, this is Bridget. Terry and I are doing research and interviews for the new season launching this month. Today, please enjoy this informative and powerful episode from our archives, where you'll find nearly 200 other episodes to choose from. Welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We are your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We're sisters and best friends who live with depression and have interviewed hundreds of others who do as well. By sharing stories of lived experiences, we expose depression for the lying bully it is. Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. In a recent episode, we talked about how the question, how are you, has changed so much during this pandemic. It's no longer that throwaway question with the anticipated fine and you response. We are checking in on each other in a different way, really asking. And many people are replying with a more authentic and vulnerable answer. And we've noticed another change. When we post a mental health check-in on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page, which is a scale of six different colored hearts ranging from red, which means I'm doing great, to purple, symbolizing the need for support, not only do we get literally hundreds of responses, but many say something like, I think I've gone through every stage of these hearts, or I can be in one spot at 9 a.m., and by noon it's different, and by 5 it's different again. So we reached out to one of our community members, Hobbs, who posted a similar response to talk about what that means, what it feels like, and how he's handling those changes, and to find out if he's managing them. Because while we're glad people aren't just saying the casual, flippant even, fine, We wonder if it would feel preferable than honestly not knowing from one minute to the next. So here is Hobbs giving his voice to depression. We had posted on the Facebook page, you know, sort of a mental health check-in, like, how are you with the colors, right? From red being, you know, just perfectly fine in all this all of this to uh, the purple heart, which was, um, I really need to reach out for some help. And you wrote, if I may quote, more than any other time in my life, it depends on the moment. I cannot say how I'm doing today because it changes constantly. Boredom and loneliness are two triggers for me. So I'm very aware of my emotional state and trying like crazy to stay above yellow. The yellow heart on the emoji mental health check-in chart means I'm doing fine, I guess. But it's also the tipping point to I'm starting to struggle. Um, it's a little harder to think about right now because I have slipped below below the yellow in the, in the last couple of days. And I'm just now, I think, climbing back out of it. Um, Let's talk about that then. We don't, you don't have to go back to anything. Let's talk about where you are now and keep this real. But it's all still related because my, my, my simple point was, you know, in, in days past, I could tell you, if someone asked, how are you today? I could say, I'm having a good day. Today's a good day. Or, no, today's a bad day. You know, it, it's, it's not going the way I want it to. Um, in the last few weeks since all this this has started, I've given up trying to say, 
how I am today. I can truly only tell you really how I am right now because all it takes is turning on the news and seeing a report, and suddenly I'm, I'm knocked down two feet. And Hub says it's not just news. It can be a conversation with somebody who's being negative, anything really, or seemingly nothing at all. I was watching TV a few nights ago. You know, I would have told you I was relaxed in front of the TV. I was just trying. It was mindless. I don't remember what I was watching. And I looked down and realized that my fist was clenched as tight as it could be. And then I felt my jaw and my jaw, I was grinding my teeth. My teeth were just as tight as they could be. And that's, it's it's just everything, every emotion, every sensitivity I think that I have, um, it's just right on the surface. So that, that means that kind of as the wind blows, um, my mood can fluctuate. My, my state of mind can just change. And it's, it's like a roller coaster at the moment. And this is related to the pandemic, correct? Yes. This has been within the last month that I'm really experiencing this. This has been since really the stay at home, the isolated home. Isolate at home. That is how it feels, isn't it? But an important distinction to try to remember is that we're supposed to be physically distant, but we can still socially connect. Hobbs says he understands that, but some of his tools have disappeared. Two of the things I really cling to or or count on for self-maintenance, I guess, are exercise and community. And so... I was already trying to find new community here, but now I have no hope of finding new community in the very near future. It's what it feels like. You know, that's, it's, it's taken that away. I know what the issues are. I know what the struggles are. I know what the challenges are. But the tools that I've used to meet them for the past two years, um, it, they're, not as, they're not as easy to, to come by at this point. You know, I think we'll see evidence where it's brought people together, but... For people who are maybe prone to those feelings of loneliness, of they're alone in the world, this has certainly not been a, uh, an easy time. Just made that all the worse. So what about online communities? Because that's what the therapists are saying. They're saying seek out an online community, whether that's a depression community or whether that's a, a men's group or a, I don't, a financial people's group or whatever you might feel you fit into. So, yes, there there is that possibility. Um, there is. It's just, um, for me, I've got to be above mm-hmm. the yellow to be able to take that step. Mm-hmm. You know, the other piece for me is I'm, I'm, I'm fairly introverted. So, you know, again, the, the stepping out there is not a, I got to swallow hard and, and really push to do it before I can do it. Community and exercise. Okay, so community could be possibly a little bit potentially um, remedied or at least addressed by uh, online communities. Exercise. Obviously, you don't have to be in a gym to exercise, but has that gone away because of the re- reduction in energy because of depression or just because you prefer to exercise in a facility or something? Um, a little bit of both. I really have become a gym rat in the last two years. And you wouldn't know it by looking at me, but I'm, I'm, I love to get in there. And it's, it's, I'm around people when I'm there. I'm, even if I'm not 
engaging, you know, there's the occasional head nod or, you know, are you using this? And somebody acknowledges that you exist. Mm-hmm. And so I get that comfort from it. But I'm also just a huge routine person. And I find comfort in my routine. So I think as much of my struggle with not being able to go to the gym after work is that was just for two years, that was my routine. And that's just been cut off. And a routine is one of the things therapists and other experts are recommending we find during these unsettled and unsettling times. Without his, Hobbs found himself in a situation that required us to reschedule our conversation, if only for a day. So what changed, if you're willing to share, between yesterday when you were pretty much bedridden uh, and today with you being back to work and able to have this conversation? Hmm. Um, Terry, I wish I knew. I wish I could really, I mean, I do have the ability to pull myself up kind of by the bootstraps sometimes. Um, I mean, even in my worst depressive episodes, I went to work and I, I performed at work and I can, I can will it sometimes. It seems like to do what I have to do. You know, the only other thing I can really point to yesterday is i it is an exhaustion. For me, it's a sense of exhaustion. Mm-hmm. And it's mental, emotional, and physical. And I I probably slept you know, over a 24-hour period, 18 hours. And, and I think some of that is I woke up feeling at least a little physically rested and strong enough to, to power back through the day. Check back with me at the end of the day or tomorrow, and I may tell you I'm right back where I was yesterday. I hope you won't be. Uh, I hope not either. Many people who are home these days, either because they've lost their jobs or they're working from home, think that's the reason they're feeling drained all the time. But Hobbs doesn't work from home, and he feels that way too. So it seems that exhaustion is kind of a universal experience right now. I'm fortunate to be in a, an essential job, so I'm still going into work. We've had to rethink everything we do, the way we do it. You know, there's been just all this change happening there and decisions having to be made on the fly. And I, I mean, at least two days last week, by the time I got home at 5.30, I went to bed then, you know, and then basically slept till the next day because I was just, I was taking everything I had to get through the day. I'm exhausted. I'm just exhausted in those moments. I am going to make some noise here as I look through the transcription of the interview with the um, psychologist I just did. She was basically saying, oh, here it is. Uh, You're going to be exhausted from all this change. That's totally normal. It's normal to be scared. It's normal to be tired. It's normal to walk around with some sort of a brain fog, not really able to function as you were able to... Oh, wow. Let me try that again. It's normal to sort of walk around... (laughs) (laughs) overwhelmed with some brain fog and to not really be able to function as well as you were able to do before. That's all normal. So I think it's really important to hear that because we can think like, what is going on? But our brains are not accustomed to dealing with constant change. It's like, oh, today Skype doesn't work. Today, you know, can go to the grocery store. Today I need to wear a mask. I mean, it's uh, it's a lot. It's a lot for a healthy brain. And mine isn't always. (laughs) Exactly what you just said goes back to my comment at the very beginning on on the the post, which was 
every day is bringing something new. Every hour is bringing something new, or at least it's maybe slowed down a little bit, but it's changed constantly. Hobbs wants to make the point that one thing that does help him during difficult times is hearing stories of other people living through the same struggles he does, how they describe it, manage it, survive it. People on this podcast who have shared their experiences. It's two things. One, it's just how it normalizes it. I mean, it's the fact that, you know, I'm not the only person who who deals with this. I'm not the only person who walks with the the challenge on a daily basis. Since depression is all too willing to convince us we are unworthy to walk on a brighter path, it is helpful to be reminded it's the depression, not us. But it, it is just so comforting and encouraging to hear other people's who simply are living this life in a similar way than I am. And and so it is a community. It, I guess that's really what it comes into. It, it feels like a community to me. Yes, the, the interview you did several months ago with the gentleman who was, I think he was a news anchor maybe. Yes. And he, he talked about how his inner voice was, I won't say his exact words, but his inner voice wasn't very nice. And and when I heard him say that, I just thought, oh, my gosh, we have the same inner voice. I mean, that is that is the, you know, the struggle that I have so much is is what my inner voice says to me. And I have to block that out and, and, and filter it against what's real and what's, you know, not real. But but I get something like that out of every interview. It seems like every time I listen, I can hear a little something that I, I think. Oh, I know exactly what they're talking about. I know exactly what they're going through. And while my heart hurts for them, it it does encourage me. I feel the same way, and I'm so lucky to be able to do the interviews. I definitely get more insight, more comfort, uh, more language to explain to myself and to whoever else I need to explain it to um, what it's like. And and I think that personally, and, and perhaps more universally, that there's not only the negative self-speak, but then there's the depression speak. And since it's in our own voice, it's very hard to distinguish between the two and to know which one we have any control over. <laughs> exactly. And and when oh you're exactly right. When we're we're living alone or spending more time alone like we are to now as well, there's just so much more opportunity for those both those voices to speak to us. Um and it's it, it, there's little tips again, and I think I picked up a lot of them uh, from listening. You know, the, the the absolutes. I think, especially on the depression voice, for me, are what I've I've, I've really recognized in the last few days. It's, it's well, you're always going to be like this. It's always going to be like this. You're never going to, you know, rise above. You're never going to, you know, the nevers, the always, the those just absolute words. They just work their way in, and, and fortunately now uh, I'm a little better prepared, a little better prepared, I think, to to recognize them as they're happening. And again, I owe that, I think, in part to, to hearing other people talk about it. When we talked about talking, yes. was there anything in particular that you wanted to offer to the people who will be listening now that the shoe is on the other foot for you and you're the one sharing? 
the concept that has helped me so much is the idea of the depression toolbox. And so when I say community and exercise are part of my toolbox, I think that's so helpful on a daily basis, on a maintenance basis, because I've fought medication over the last 20 years. And, well, at least 25 years now, because I don't want to be on medication. I didn't want to be on medication. And I just, I would go off and... It would never be good when I went off, and then we'd change it, and it would never be good. And it's never easy when you change medication. But if there were anyone out there who's just, especially I think for a man, because I think there's a macho gene in us somewhere, and I finally accepted several years ago that I am going to be on medication forever and that that's okay too. It is a part of, of what I need. It is a part of maintaining and and trying to stay above the orange or the color, you know, is worth doing whatever you have to do um, because there are people in the world that, that need you. And, you know, anybody that's listening to this, I believe they're here at this time and this place for a reason and they bring value to this world. And, and I would probably never meet any of them, but I know this world is a better place because they're in it. And I know it's odd just because I'm struggling to say the self-care is so important, but it is because I still know what I need to do, and if I can, you know, even take some of those small steps to to, to reach out to a friend or to to get out and take a walk, that that will help. So whatever help or comfort other people find, I would just encourage them to to not wait till it gets too bad, but to try to maintain ahead of time. Oh, Hobbs, I can relate to so much of what you said. There was something that I heard on social media this week, and it was the phrase, notice what you need to notice. (laughs) And I thought that was really nice. It was like a doable, you know, tangible step. And, And for me, that also translated to like, don't necessarily notice everything, you know, kind of like lighten up a little bit, pay attention to what needs to be paid attention to and just sort of rest and relax into, I don't know, what's the word for this time, you know, for this undefined sort of nebulous cavernous time. Really. And I loved how he said that in this time that you're trying to describe, maybe we'll call it indescribable, um, there's more opportunity for the voices to speak to us. And that is so true. And it's one of the things that's I don't know, there's almost a leveling going on out there. (laughs) You know, before it was, you know, the thought that mental health concerns were sort of for that, well, the number is one in five, right? One in five people who are going to have a mental health issue in any given year. And now it's five in five because there isn't a person out there who isn't having some worry, anxiety, experiencing isolation, you know, any of those things that are affecting our mental health. And so... It'll be very interesting to see coming out of this if there's a bit more understanding, um, having had this shared experience. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I also just want to quick do a shout out of something else I heard. I think it was on NPR, and it was talking about the um, the notion that rather than waiting for somebody to reach out to you to check in or talk or connect, um, you know, to be that person. And not be that person in a you know heroic way, but just reach out and check in on somebody else, and that that in truth will make us feel better. And then they, of course, talked about volunteering and how yes, that's helping other people, but it's also helping you and your mental health too. So, um, very good points. I just want to put that out there. Absolutely. And those of us who need 
to be checked on. You know, we you can't put it on us. You can't say, reach out, reach out, because there are just times you can't. So again, we need to reach in. So I appreciate that reminder, Bridget. Thank you. In next week's episode, which I think is a fascinating one, we're going to talk about an unconventional solution to sheltering in place when being alone with one's thoughts for weeks on end doesn't feel like a healthy choice. Yeah, it's a good one. I look forward to it, too. (laughs) Thanks, Bridge. Talk to you later. Bye. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on Depression's Dark Road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.